0: It's Dr. Stu's podcast. Oh my God, I can't believe it's it's time for a podcast again. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein, here with my uh, colleague uh, Kimberly Durden. Uh, Thank you for listening and uh, uh, welcome to the podcast number 99. Uh, So, Kimberly.
1: Yes? How are you? I'm fine. You are? I was listening to you do your intro and I was hearing your accent from
0: where are you from minnesota (laughs) minnesota i can hear the minnesota accent coming out well i just got back yeah
1: you just got back yeah Yeah. for
0: visiting my dad i'm gonna give a uh a a, uh what do you call it what do you what do you call it when you're giving a temptation you're tempting someone to tune into another podcast you call that a a a, a plug a plug okay i'll give a plug okay um there was another word i was thinking of but a plug Uh, for podcast number 100 next week is going to be an interview with my father who's turning 96 this week Mm. and uh i hope that people who like to hear us piss and whine and moan will also love hearing from my father who um grew up grew up in the 20s and 30s uh Mm. so it'll be pretty interesting
1: uh but otherwise you're fine i'm good i'm excellent
0: good that's good to hear i'm
1: a little you know actually i'm I'm kind of excited I, i was thinking when i was driving over here like all the different topics and um Things that are going on in in the birth world and breastfeeding and in human rights and all that stuff. I mean, I I actually feel kind of excited um, about the podcast that we're doing because we get a chance to talk about these things, but also just like overwhelmed with so much information and constantly wondering, like, what does all this stuff like really mean? Like what's what's going on?
0: Well, what's going on is it's almost hockey season again. Oh, so, oh. so that's what's really important. No. <laughs> let's let's keep it perspective. You we're, know, we have to we have to have laughter because if we just think about what's going on in the world right now, it's very hard to find yeah. find laughter. Yeah, it's right. True. You, you know, for me right now, I I feel like the uh, the world is like a big zit. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this before the show, and the
1: if, world, the whole entire yeah, entire I th- world. I feel
0: like well, right now my life is sort of like a big zit because (laughs) i'm sitting around waiting and i've got several people do and we've got these protests going on around the country and we've got uh stuff you know stuff in the news about health care and you know obamacare insurance companies pulling out and people their premiums going way up and everything seems to be building and building and building and for me you know what happens is, is i'll get I won't do any bursts for a couple weeks and mm-hmm. sort of go through withdrawal, and you know how that is. Yeah, and yeah. then, but I know that I've got three or four people hanging out there that are just, I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, they'll all go, and it'll be like, oh, man, the the zit has popped, <laughs> <laughs> and and um, and then there's relief. Yes. and then you and then and then another two weeks will go by and then, yep. then it'll build up again you Start and the then cycle all, all over, over again, again. And, and then and then you finally find that you're 60 or 96 or whatever you find out that you are and yeah. So, are you
1: feeling nostalgic because your dad's birthday and your birthday just happened? Yeah, and, yeah. and I was just
0: home, and yeah. it was really nice.
1: Yeah, and you reflect. You yeah. reflect on your life and reflect on your purpose. And I had a
0: really great day. I probably had the best day that I've had in a long time. I was up there with my kids. Mm. We went up north to one of the lakes. We rent. We took a chain. You know, we have to rent jet skis ahead of time. We rented jet skis for a day. You don't know if it's going to be a thunderstormy day or a rainy day or a windy day or a cold day. It turned out to be a perfect day. And oh. We were on a series of lakes that were almost all day like glass, and you know what it's like to be on a jet ski on a glassy lake. I don't
1: know; I'd never experienced. You're going 45
0: miles an hour, oh wow! And you're zipping along, and you're and you're having fun. And we got off the. You know, we could see about four in the afternoon. We could see a thunderstorm building up, you know, a few miles away. And so we got off the lake, and like 30 minutes after we got off the lake, the downpour came, and it was just a perfect day. Wow! And it was a day where I didn't have to care about. All the things that you brought up at the beginning, right? You know those things really didn't matter when I was zipping along. Mm. Oh, and then when we were stopping and we jumped in the water and we were just hanging out talking, there were there were I don't I guess the loons are getting ready to migrate. Oh. The Minnesota state bird is the loon, and the lake is was usually on a lake. There's maybe one one mating pair or two mating pair. There must have been thirty or forty they pairs knew, of they loons. They knew
1: you were in town.
0: I guess I just <laughs> I, you know it's one of those things you get lucky, and wow. and they were singing. Oh, my God. And if people understand what the sound of a loon is like, it's just fascinating and that's fantastic. Amazing. So I had a really good day, and then, of course, now we're back, and, and uh, yeah. here we are doing a podcast, and we got some things to cover.
1: Back back to the grind. But I think that's really great, so I'm glad you had some time with your family, and that's so important.
0: Yeah, so anyway, so I have a quiz for you today. Okay. <laughs>
1: okay. Wait. Let me put my glasses on. Right. Okay.
0: Well, you don't need glasses because it's verbal.
1: Oh, it's verbal. Yes. I like to. I like. To it's
0: listen. a verbal quiz. So you get um, paper in your hand. One of there. my one of my favorite uh, 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 clients who had a set of twins a few months ago. Yeah. Um, we were talking about recently. We were talking about the expense because she ended up going beyond her due date. Ended up developing preeclampsia or you know high blood pressure. Had to be transferred in. She got induced with Dr. Wu at Glendale and uh, had a nice vaginal birth, very easy, uh, did great. Right. But unfortunately, you know, she had to be transferred because of her blood pressure. Right. So I was just curious. We were just talking about um, what it costs. Okay. Because I know what it costs for a home birth.
1: Right. And And what does it cost?
0: Well, here in Southern California, the midwives, it runs anywhere from like about 5,000, to maybe uh, you know up to six sixty five hundred. I know that I charge more, right? But uh, you know I charge eight to nine, even ten thousand dollars almost for twins. Okay. But um, you know that's because I
1: yeah
0: have a pre- specialized service. I can only do so much. Right. But I was just curious as to what it would cost because she was in the hospital, technically speaking, with her twins for less than thirty six hours. Okay. She had her babies, went home in, in a day. Okay. Um, so I'm going to quiz you on some stuff. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. So. Uh, we'll get to her total bill at the end here. Let's see. She had an epidural.
1: She had an epidural. Okay.
0: How much did they, this is not the anesthesia charge. How much did they charge for the injection of the epidural, the placement of the epidural, the hospital charge?
1: So the, this is the part where the hospital charges for The service supply, provided. The right. service provided. Okay. Right.
0: Probably the equipment, the kit, you know, the setup, that sort of thing. The drug? Yeah, probably.
1: Okay. Um, $300?
0: $1,236. Okay. Oh, the drug is separate here. Oh. Okay, she got uh, ropivacaine, which I think is what they injected in her. Okay. Okay, so she got uh, 0.2%. She got uh, one injection of that, because I know her labor was like less than five hours long, I think. Wow. Um, how much for this one injection in her back of ropivacaine?
1: <laughs> i have no idea
0: don't overestimate because you know what you, know, you know you're gonna under uh, okay. 173 dollars for that
1: okay
0: oh she got some she got oxytocin okay injection uh to to induce her labor uh you know those little green bottles of yeah those ox, little yeah yeah she probably got two two of those in a you know total or in a liter yeah uh dripped in at, at a specific rate 260 dollars for
1: those little things
0: for that um, we
1: carry too, for
0: yeah 260 dollars for that
1: so that was for two of them?
0: Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know how many. It doesn't really, it doesn't say. Oh, it actually looks like it was for whatever one dose was. <laughs> All right. And then and then um, she for her blood pressure, which was went high after her delivery, she got a dose of hydralazine. Hydralazine is a generic uh, antihypertensive. Uh, I want you to guess what it costs to give her like a, uh, a one cc of hydralazine.
1: I mean, one hundred and fifty dollars. Okay,
0: six hundred and sixteen dollars <laughs> and sixty-eight cents. Okay, and then of course, when she came in, she had to have some laboratory work. You know that, right? Oh
1: well, yeah. They so took she all had her blood.
0: She had to have uh, fibrinogen and fibrin split products to see if she was in DIC as part of her high risk ruling out severe preeclampsia panel. Okay. So okay. So how much? How much for the fibrinogen? So it's a single oh, blood God. test.
1: So the fibrinogen is just the blood test to determine. The suspense
0: the, is killing our listeners. I'm sure. Okay, I'm
1: sorry. Three hundred dollars.
0: Oh, overestimated. One hundred eighty-five dollars. Okay. 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 She had a CBC. Well,
1: I'm do, you know generally now that you start talking about the prices, it's like, then you start figuring that. Yeah. Well, then you start to over. You start to over, you know, because you.
0: Okay. You have no well, idea. here's a bargain. She had a CBC, which is just okay. a complete blood, blood count. Tr- mm-hmm. How much for that?
1: Well, in our office, it's like what twenty? Well, no. No, that's a small thing. It's like eight bucks or something.
0: Yeah, 82 bucks.
1: <laughs> Are you kidding me?
0: All right. And then she had a uric acid, which they often check in people who to rule out you know, volume contraction, that sort of thing. So how much for a uric acid? Uh,
1: Simple have, blood test. I have no idea.
0: 74 bucks. What? Okay, liver function test, $150. Uh, a basic metabolic panel was $97. Um,
1: so just her lab work was just her lab work was like four hundred dollars, four okay. five six. Well, six, well, okay. Six,
0: yeah, she had fibrin split products that was two hundred forty eight dollars. A PT was fifty four. PTT sixty seven dollars. Your, your analysis, Okay, how That's much a for a pee in a cup? Yeah, and they and they and they and they dip it. And they dip. It's a dipstick. Seventy yeah. bucks. <laughs> you know how many dipsticks you could buy for seventy bucks?
1: Oh my! This room goodness. probably would be
0: filled with dipsticks for seventy bucks. <laughs> there was another
1: so and and how much does it cost to stay
0: well good question okay she stayed it looks like I mean she,
1: because that has nothing to do with her stay it like,
0: looks like she stayed well the her labor and delivery time which was probably about six or seven hours was 2150 dollars no 2100 dollars sorry
1: wait, so I don't understand so you're saying that the, the six hours that she spent there she was being billed for her time spent in the room or whatever. Well, I guess it's
0: probably per di- uh, there's probably a per, per diem, diem charge. Got it. My guess is. And then she was uh, and then she stayed uh, I think it looks like um she got charged for a room twice on on March 30th and March 31st. And each day that she was there, they charged $3,301 per day. Oh, oh, oh okay so how you, nice you, was her you, room you, i mean I was know, like you, it
1: was it like it was like it like an amazing like it had a view of like downtown la or something yeah, like you, what was happening you,
0: you and i could fly to first class to you know montreal for that <laughs> okay um and stay in a nice hotel and besides probably be
1: all inclusive
0: yeah her vaginal delivery fee okay this is just for the delivery itself was oh boy where's you want my, my glasses where's my glasses now it's dark in here uh, it looks like $9,244.
1: Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Tell me what that is because we just talked about midwives charging five, dollars $6,000 for the entire yeah. prenatal care, yep. delivery, yep. postpartum, hour-long visits, four postpartum visits, et cetera, et cetera, all inclusive. You're more expensive, but you're Dr. Stu. You do things that we can't do, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Well, I've just Experience. yeah. You, so, what?
1: What? Help me understand what a nine thousand dollar vaginal delivery fee? I have is no, all I, about. I have
0: no clue because well, maybe char- it's because it was it, two babies. Well, they charge <laughs> okay. It's two, one vagina, two babies. <laughs> two babies. Well, they charge twenty one hundred dollars for labor and delivery care, and then they charge nine thousand dollars for vaginal delivery. They charge, like I said, the the room for two days was over six thousand dollars for the just the room. We spent about a thousand dollars on laboratory. Oh, um how about here's some reasonable things, by the way. Uh, lanolin for her nipples. How much for that?
1: All right, wait a second. First of all, what? Okay.
0: Lanolin. Okay, One I hear you. I
1: hear you. Um I mean it costs six ninety nine at Target.
0: Forty three.
1: You're kidding me.
0: Forty three dollars and fifty eight cents. What? Yep.
1: For how the tubes they give in the hospital are small, by the way. What's did they say the size of the tube? Uh, That's that's ridiculous. Well, I did.
0: Yeah, it doesn't say. It says 7.5 grams. Seven point five grams. That's like one of those little itty bitty tubes. Those those little tubes. It's forty three dollars. That's that's like one quarter of an ounce. What? Yeah. Right. Now here's an interesting conundrum here because she had a CBC on admission, which with automated differential, which was eighty two dollars blood count. For those of you who don't know, that was eighty two dollars on admission. Then she had a CBC.
1: When she, when the, she was discharged?
0: postpartum, that was $154.80. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, why does she need... Okay, well, never no mind. to make okay. a long
0: story short, her total bill was approximately $22,000. What? Okay. Of which her insurance paid 4524 and they And the hospital had to write off 15000 over fifteen thousand dollars, and she has a balance that she has to pay.
1: What? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Now, why the hospital is writing off fifteen thousand because
0: they're probably contracted. So, the, again, all these prices are so overly inflated to try. Right. To, the whole system. This this gets back to the p- purpose of this whole exercise here. Right. Is to just say how corrupt the system is because, in order to collect, a, a you know, for all the care that they they gave this woman, right. For them to get four thousand five hundred dollars is not enough. Okay. Okay. But for them to charge $22, 23,000 for vaginal right. birth where she's right. in and out of the hospital in a day or two is also too much. Right. But they have to do that. So it's all a game. Right. So
1: they overcharge so that they can get some of the money back.
0: Right. But, but the insurance companies have allowables anyway. They just don't want to undercharge because if they undercharge for something they'll get paid less. So they they inflate and inflate and inflate.
1: So in a sense, then since the consumer may have insurance and doesn't really is not really involved in the particulars and they have a certain amount that they have to pay um they feel like it's people aren't really i guess they're seeing how expensive it is but they don't have to really deal with it because their insurance is kind of taking care of some of it is that i mean well i think, that's I, that's think, how I, think I think i think
0: this client was just just curious herself because um, most people would not, don't even care.
1: Right, gonna, that's what I mean. And I mean, do most people get an itemized bill like this?
0: I think so, but they they generally don't look at it. They all they right. all they piss and whine and moan about is what they had to pay
1: right. on top
0: of their insurance premium every month. The problem here, ultimately, it gets down to the fact that when you have a third party paying for something, right, and you take away direct interaction, right. Right. It, it, the whole th- the whole system gets corrupted
1: because a third party has to get paid.
0: Well, not only does the third party have to get paid, but then. There, there's a disconnect between the service provided and the person receiving the service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, it's like it's like if you go to a restaurant it's, and you order a dinner, but somebody else is paying for it. Why wouldn't she get? You
1: don't care what you're getting. You get. You don't whatever care you what want. you're
0: getting, and, and why wouldn't the restaurant just charge a fortune because the right. person they're charging they don't have to collect money from before the person leaves right. the restaurant. Right. So there, you know, it's it's very nebulous. It's very, and this is the system that uh, we have.
1: And then what, what does this create? in our healthcare system overall i mean is this hurting anybody is this hurting anybody <laughs> frustration for
0: <laughs> sure um
1: is this hurting anybody i mean i think what's interesting too is that for, for for me for myself for instance looking at wanting to potentially become a medi-cal provider for instance become a provider that accepts medi-cal for low-income clients don't do the it hoops i have to jump don't through. do it i know i know you're just I because have you have a good heart through. The hoops I have to jump through, the insurance, the ma- uh, the insurance amount of malpractice insurance I have to pay every month to accept this tiny amount that MediCal is going to reimburse me for nine, 10 months later after I do the service. It's just, you can't really think about how you can make this, you know, how can I make this work? I want to serve people who may have Medi-Cal, but then-
0: The only way to make it work is to do volume. And if you do volume, you can't provide the can, service. Right. Right.
1: Right. I have some ideas about that, but we'll talk about that on another podcast. Well, so, podcast. yeah.
0: So, anyway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> is that my quiz? Yeah, You're yeah,
0: I'm just, I just crumbling? Crum- I crumpled oh, up your quiz. Oh, my
1: goodness. Yeah, so that, you know, <laughs> that, that, I think I, I got an F. Yeah. I hope, <laughs> I
0: hope your blood pressure just didn't go up. I'm going to take your blood pressure when we're done today and see, <laughs> see what went up. But, yeah. again, people would say, you know, because everything is so distorted now, you think that, well, she had twins and she was hypertensive. Right. Is $22,000 right. uh, too much money? And the other thing, though... <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, the
1: other thing, you said they didn't stay very long. And, no. But but listen, so then that means that her babies were... They are probably with her because I don't see like a NICU charge on no, her. No, no, no.
0: She was 41 weeks. But
1: you think about how many um, clients, how many folks go in and then maybe also their their baby needs to go to the NICU. Hi, Bella. Exce- Bella
0: got excited. Bella
1: was, be- Bella's blood pressure just went up. She's just so <laughs> upset about this. But seriously, if... You know, many times I hear about you know, you know, you have the hospital birth or whatever for whatever reason that you have to be there or you chose to be there, and then something happens with the baby. And sometimes we also feel like on the other end that many times are so quick to take babies to the NICU. I mean, obviously there's good reasons many times, but sometimes it seems like there's a bit of an overuse or there's like these um, extra days that are spent there, and then once you kind of get a baby that. Once once a baby kind of has to go to the NICU, it can be very challenging to get them out, even though they may be doing better. And do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, Stu? of course I, I don't do. Have you you know I do, and
0: you know that there's hospitals with policies that any baby that has meconium, right, okay, has to maybe go for observation for four hours,
1: right. right. And so then we don't we don't see that on that that bill there. But I mean, I'm wondering about those NICU charges. I'm I'm sure they're just as astronomical.
0: That they may, they may be charges for the babies that were separate They were built under the baby's names as opposed to built under this client's
1: And so name. whenever you're talking about, for instance, going back to, I mean, or utilizing less things at the hospital, are you saying that th- somebody's making less money? So,
0: explain that again because okay. I didn't quite get that. So, what
1: I'm saying is a lot of times, those of us who are birth activists are, are saying that sometimes we feel as though some of these uh, procedures and things that are done in the hospital are drive up, you know, money, drive up profits for the hospital. And I always get mixed, you know, conversation about whether or not that's true. Some people say if you get a C section, Sometimes doctors are going to rush to a C-section cuz they're going to get get more money and you say that's not true.
0: No, it's not really true for the physician itself. The hospital makes more money on right. that. The physician right. gets to go back to work or go home sooner. So there there there's there's secondary gain by doing a C-section or electively scheduled C-section or calling for a C-section early. There's not a lot of financial gain unless you consider the fact that if a doctor can get back to his office and then finish his day, then then he or she can make more money money, that way. But they don't make more money by doing the surgery. The hospital makes two to two and a half times as much money from a cesarean section. Um, You know, one of these times I'll uh, I'll have one of my clients who had twins who ended up with a cesarean for some reason. I'll get her bill. And we'll we'll we'll, we'll redo this. Yeah,
1: because the point I'm I'm also getting at is that those of us who are like driving or, you know, putting the focus on physiologic birth and less interventions for, you know, the well-being of mom and baby whenever possible, um, we suspect that it would be very hard for hospitals to run in a very... Non-interventionist safe, but non-interventionist way because, like, how are they going to make money if they're not using all that stuff?
0: Well, hospitals, hospitals like governments, I think, have a whole lot of waste in them. Right. And And uh, granted, I, I, this whole scheme with the, the the overcharging and the insurance underpaying, and that's that's their problem. It's a system they've set up. We suffer as the clientele that then the patients and the and the and the ancillary workers and stuff. Like that. But they have so much top-heavy stuff. They have so heavy in administration, right? Uh, which sort of it is interesting that this all took place at Glendale, Glendale. Adventist Medical Center, right. and that the doctor that helped this woman, because she was my client, but I had to transfer her care because of her pressure, and uh, the doctor that helped her was Dr. Uh, Ronald Wu, who is currently still practicing at that hospital, but has recently uh, been told by the hospital that they've created a policy now where he cannot do breech deliveries.
1: So when did, when did Well, this not he about? can't.
0: No one at the hospital can do breech deliveries. The problem, of course, is he's the only person at the hospital doing breech deliveries, and therefore, um, you know, it's... it's, Basically,
1: they're banning... Yeah, they're banning Dr. Wu. So so he can do deliveries, but he can't do breech deliveries? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he can't
0: do breech deliveries unless the woman tends to come in with the baby's butt, basically, uh, imminently going to deliver. Mm. So in other words, people that were planning to deliver Dr. Wu or people in this community who are going to deliver with me... Or somebody else who who find out that their breach have just lost one of the best options that they had, and they're being forced into the situation of having a cesarean section. They're not being given their you know their legally uh, the legal right to choose their path. Now, granted, some hospitals do not have a practitioner. that does breach delivery. And therefore, that's sort of what we call a de facto ban. In other words, there's no policy that says they can't. There's just nobody there that does it. That's bad enough as it is. But here they have a guy, one of the best providers in the country. And how
1: long has he been doing breach delivery? 45
0: years. Wow. And the American College of OBGYN supports breach delivery in the hands of a a skilled provider. So here we have a skilled provider who is being told through the hospital policy, for whatever reason, the hospital will not reveal the reason and that's pretty typical. I'm not going to call out the hospital for not publicly bringing the reasons up because they hide behind this veil of confidentiality and and there is reasons for that. But sometimes it's cowardly to not to do things without an explanation to the community.
1: Absolutely. Because we want to know, like, why would something change after forty something years? And not to mention, like, we have absolutely no—I mean, is there any other option in Los Angeles if you have a, a breech baby to deliver vaginally besides you at home? Who else? Yeah. could we no, go? I'm
0: hearing through the grapevine that there's some people that are that are supportive of it, in, but again, it's a very medicalized version of the of the process. And even Doctor Wu was very medicalized. Right. I mean, you had to have an IV, you had to have an epidural, you had to deliver right. in the operating room, you had to have all those sorts of things. But you got your vaginal birth, and you didn't have to deal with the uh, having a cesarean section and then the recovery and then what happens in the next pregnancy and all that stuff. Um, yeah, there's a few people. There's a guy at Cedars Sinai who named Barry Brock, who okay. who is is an option. There's a physician down in, in uh, San Diego named Doctor Vu. VU, well, okay, not first Dr. of all,
1: Wu. I said L.A. So oh. basically you told me one person in L.A. Yeah, there's
0: a couple people at that like California yeah. Hospital maybe, maybe and Kaiser sometimes, but they work shifts. Oh my and goodness. the problem with having a breach practitioner work a shift is that you it's he a He might not shoot. be
1: there, he or she might not be there when right. you're actually in labor. That's right. So and that might also make you have to even just get induced, which is just another intervention and another risk just added on to the planet.
0: And there may be other practitioners who are under the radar and I wish okay. they, I wish they would come out of being under the radar because it would be great to have them as a referral uh, source for people that didn't want to do home birthing, absolutely, or or had problems like developed problems where home birthing was out of their um,
1: wasn't wasn't doable of,
0: uh, wasn't doable. But the thing is, is that some for some reasons maybe they don't want to come out of the shadows because. Then they'll end up like yeah. me or Dr. Wu or Dr. Boots Taylor in, in Atlanta, who yes. recently had the same sort of thing at the exactly. at Call Medical Center.
1: Exactly. And I'm glad that you mentioned him um, because um, it was interesting to see. I actually didn't realize that uh, Dr. Bootslayer had Boots Taylor. Uh, Boots Taylor, sorry. But Bootslayer sounds way
0: cooler. I bet he would like that too.
1: <laughs> but anyway, this yeah. wonderful uh, doctor in Atlanta. Uh, who I know that he works with a whole team of uh, certified nurse midwives down there and they were doing water births. I didn't actually know that they were also doing breach and twin uh, deliveries under his uh, care um, in that Atlanta hospital. Um, And I found out that, uh, that they were actually doing it just recently when suddenly all of that became banned at the hospital that that he practices at. Um, and what was interesting is I was thinking, oh, my God, this is another one of those stories where this stuff gets banned. And we talked about the ACOG opinion, uh, committee opinion, a couple of podcasts ago, basically talking about planned home birth and kind of giving their opinion about what they felt about planned breach twin and uh, uh, deliveries at home and that and VBACs and that sort of thing. But um, I then saw this situation happening with Dr. Bootslayer and it looked as if as I kind of followed it Boots that the Taylor. community Boots Taylor, <laughs> Bootslayer Boots Taylor was <laughs> outraged like people were just like what is going on they I mean people were like wait a second what just happened why did you take this away from us not only, but
0: not only did they take those things away they took away water birth they took, yeah, they took away water they birth they took away food
1: no they did not yeah
0: they took away food and they took away uh, everyone had to have an IV. That sort of, they just, they came what? in.
1: What, why? Why did they do that? I, they you have- know what, I,
0: I have theories and stuff like that but I, it's not really for me to speculate here. Okay. People can go to the website, they can go to see babies uh on facebook s-e-e baby, c C babies and i think i think think it's b-a-b-i-e-s i I think
1: okay you might be right but i just want to say that the outcome though that uh was just posted a couple days ago was that through all those things that the hospital was going to outlaw basically have been brought back and do you know anything about that yes i do what happened uh acquiring minds when
0: public outcry social media um Brought it to the attention of the community, and the, the beauty of it was that Sea Babies and Dr. Boots Taylor uh, have a very strong following on uh, Facebook and other social media. And they politely post- posted that we're very sorry to report that we can no longer support blah, 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 blah. And, of course, he's got a great reputation. He's been doing this for decades. Um, he and I are sort of a kindred spirit. We, mm-hmm. we're, we've we actually never met in person, but we've communicated dozens of times mm-hmm. um, through the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they posted a polite letter saying this, and the and the community got outraged, right? And so the community then responded, and one of the people that one of the one of his clients, her husband happened to be a civil rights or human rights civil rights attorney, I think. Amazing. And so, you know, it, he got into it, and the hospital, I think they realized they'd caused a shitstorm, <laughs> and they were nice enough to offer a meeting, and apparently they had a meeting. And what's happened there was confidential, but within days of the meeting or hours of the meeting, actually, they reversed most of their decisions. Wow. They're going to look at water birth. By the time this podcast airs, um, they will have decided on whether they're going to allow water birth to continue. I don't know why um, water birth came up in the same conversation. Again, we don't know the driving force. We don't know if it was a policy change, if something came through. On an edict from, uh, you know, administ- hospital administrator quarterly, right? In some journal right. or something. Exactly. That said, well, we need you need to ban these things because right. they're liability, they're, they're perceived liability, or whatever. Maybe there was a bad outcome. Maybe there was a a personality. A lot of times, these things come from pettiness. They come from somebody in a position of power flexing their muscles. I, you know, I you don't, don't know. know. I'm just again, know. this is all speculation.
1: But I think that's a great. So it, first of all, I was such a great thing to hear that we that something got. That big got overturned yeah, by community. Yeah, I've never seen that happen. And I've never seen
0: it happen quickly like that. And before. I think
1: that's a great segue into the rally that Improving Birth Organization, improving Improving dot Thompson and the amazing folks that uh, do this work um, in 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 bringing the issues of birthing um, to the forefront. Um, they are having a march. Um, uh, it's a rally. It's, it's a it's rally. A, it's
0: a protest rally in front of Glendale Adventist Medical Center. It's going to be at,
1: September 7th. I think. At
0: 11 a.m., September 7th uh, in Glendale, California. Excellent. And, um, you know, what we want is we would like an explanation, which I just, you know, my cynical side says it will not be forthcoming mm. of why they decided to do this at this point in this particular time. I mean, look at, I don't know if it was based, what it's based on, but often these things are based on a bad outcome or a bad outcome. Or something uh, something coming down from some like higher level uh, risk management or something nationwide or something right. from corporate headquarters right. or whatever else, we the community deserves an explanation
1: I agree. and by the
0: way, if it was because of some bad outcome right and if every time there's a bad outcome, a hospital decides that it's going to ban a choice, right no one could go to the hospital for anything because everything, Potentially has had a bad outcome at some point, like heart surgery, bladder surgery, uh, chemotherapy, uh, exactly. antibiotics. And
1: if there was a bad outcome, I mean, what's the what's the course of action? I mean, you probably would have to go and investigate what happened and look into it and figure out how to make changes or improvements. Or I mean, isn't that yeah? But you don't done? you don't
0: ban a choice because something. Look at there are bad outcomes from cesarean section. Absolutely. I don't see hospitals turning around banning people from doing cesarean exactly. section. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Now, of course, I know I'm being ludicrous but you sometimes have to be ludicrous in a in a uh, world that that I don't
1: think that's ludicrous.
0: Seems like a big zit <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> it's
1: time to pop the zit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the problem is is they're endless though. Yeah, well. There's an endless supply of zits.
1: <laughs> you know what? It's motivation though. You know, we all you talk about reflection reflecting on your milestone birthday, your father's milestone birthday, any birthday from Eighty-five on is a milestone birthday, as far as I'm concerned. But and and you you're looking at the legacy of your life, and you know if you didn't have these zits, I mean, life would actually get kind of boring. I mean, the lake oh, is I nice, would, but yeah, at a certain point, would in your be life, 365 you be there three hundred sixty-five days. A you, year take just boring, chilling?
0: you take boring. Um, you take boring. Got to balance some, it. Out. Sometimes sometimes boring would be be okay. Um, so anyway, so getting back to the the Glendale thing one more time. Um any, anything that in our listeners can do as far as uh, social media. To um, yes. contact a hospital, if you go to ImprovingBirth.org uh, or their Facebook page, you'll find a link that tells you how to contact people at Glendale Adventist Hospital to write respectful uh, letters asking for an explanation, saying that you or a family member or somebody else might be affected by this, or that you had a great experience, right? Exactly, uh, having a breech birth or a twin, you know, a twin birth or whatever else with Doctor Wu at the hospital. Um, and let them know because if they don't hear from the community like they did in in Atlanta, uh, they're going to do not, they're not going to do anything. And even if they do hear from the community, they may still stick with it because ultimately they think it's that that this is a better decision for uh, their business, even though it's completely unethical. Oh, it absolutely. is completely unethical. I'll say it without reservation that a decision to ban the choice that belongs to a woman that is a legitimate choice is. Um, a violation of all all medical ethics, probably a violation of the hospital's mission statement, and certainly uh, is infuri- it's <laughs> it's infuriating. And I and I think it, it can't be good for business. Yeah. Uh, there are other choices in that community for women to go and have their babies. Uh, Doctor Wu, you know, if he can't solve this problem, may be looking elsewhere um, to go to take his skills elsewhere, which would be a loss for the Glendale community. Uh, and it just Ultimately for those of us that are frustrated with the political world and the and the, and the and the just the, the justice in the world this is just another sort of nail in that coffin of of unfairness it just I- seems unfair
1: Yes, agreed, and it's also something that you—it's—it's it's easy to do to come to a rally like this and let your voice be heard. Um, on September seventh, it's from 11 to 3 p.m. It's at Glendale Adventist. It's definitely family friendly. You know, it's always great to bring your little ones, and um, you know, those are the ones that are being affected as well as fathers. We love to see fathers come out because they're a part of this too. You know, partners. It's not just the pregnant mom. It's this affects the whole family. I mean, when moms you know, are, this is a family issue. This is a human issue. Um, So definitely come check it out. And again, it's called the rally against vaginal breach birth ban. Their hashtag is liberate labor and ImprovingBirth.org is where you can find more information. So that's okay. Well, great. Uh, I'll see you there as long as there's no nobody's other babies. Yeah, I court. hope
0: I can be there. I think that uh, Dr. Berlin and uh, Dr. Chavira and me and uh, Dawn and maybe a few, uh, we got some mothers that are going to be speaking. Yeah.
1: That'll be great. Um, We're all on call. So obviously, babies, <laughs> if the babies don't come on the same day, we we'll are be on there. call.
0: Anyway, so, uh, so uh, listen, Kimberly, uh, these conversations are always uh, enjoyable for me. And uh, like you said at the very beginning, sometimes it's good to have them because it lets us vent some of the stuff that builds up inside of us. Exactly. Nobody likes to have things uh, where they can't communicate to other people. Exactly. So this has been uh, a Dr. Stu's Podcast number 99. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate your uh, listening. We've got some letters, I think, in podcast number 101. We're going to be looking at some of the mail. Uh, follow us on uh, iTunes, uh, uh, on Facebook. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Dr. Fishbein. You can uh, go to Kimberly's website at com. <laughs> I you remember. You remember. Or follow me at BirthingInstincts.com. And uh, until we uh, talk to you next week, uh, thanks again for listening.